two blocks due south of here is this beautiful place, Lakewood Cemetery. It was established right after the Civil War, about 140 years ago, by people who were the original founders of our church, First Universalist. They were part of a new movement at that time called the Rural Cemetery Movement that was trying to move beyond the medieval idea that the dead should be buried deep in the ground below a church or castle. They were trying to say out loud that the living need a pla- needed a place to walk among the dead, a place of beauty where the healing and comfort of nature could be there for those who were reflecting, thinking about where life was going. That creation of Lakewood Cemetery and the creation of this church were just two of the many things that our founders had contributed to our community. Many of the most important and enduring businesses, community organizations, and cultural institutions were created by the same group of founders, like General Mills and Pillsbury Companies, the Minneapolis Foundation and Unity Settlement House, the Minneapolis Arts Institute, and the Symphony Orchestra. These are just a few of the things that the founders of this congregation, who also created that beautiful cemetery, left as gifts for all of us in this community. Next year is our church's 150th, our sesquicentennial. It's been an opportunity already for a few of us, but soon be an opportunity for all of us to really understand better the gifts that we've received from those who came before us, our founders and the people who've sustained our communities. The physical gifts like Lakewood and this church, the social gifts of this community, but also the gifts of their ideas about liberty, religious freedom, justice. We will have a chance in this coming anniversary year to really stop and pause and reflect and to remember, not only to be aware of those gifts, but also to think about our responsibility for the care of those gifts now and also our responsibilities for investing into the future so that those gifts will be there and other gifts for our children, our children's children, and future generations to come. Anniversaries and birthdays are important opportunities to stop and reflect, to pause and to think. And this coming week is one of the most important in our nation. It would have been the 79th birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on Tuesday. In this coming week and next weekend, it will be a chance for millions of Americans to stop and pause and remember, honor the dreams, the hopes, and also the accomplishment of Dr. King and so many of the leaders of that wonderful modern civil rights movement. It will be a chance for us to take stock, to take stock at where we are as a nation in our path towards those visions and dreams of Dr. King and that movement. He often called our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution promissory notes, and he asked the question of how our nation was doing on fulfilling those promises. It's a question we can continue and must continue to ask today, and this week coming is a chance to do that. It's also a chance to put Dr. King in a broader context. For example, he was deeply dedicated to the study and the use of history, particularly as a mechanism for moving a movement, the civil rights movement, forward. He knew a great deal about the, the origins of democracy and the great debates among the Greeks, and he used that in his speeches and writing. He knew a lot about how the founders of this country incorporated those ideas and others into the documents like the Declaration. 
He was a student of Gandhi and studied the nonviolence movements in South Africa and India. He was a person who knew that history could help us pass even the most bleak and difficult times of a movement. He's often quoted as saying that the moral arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. And that is a quote that's used very often, especially today in some difficult times, to remind us that over time, the struggle for justice will bring about that kind of moral victory. But it's actually a quote from a Unitarian minister, Reverend Theodore Parker, who was speaking about the abolitionist movement, and he, in those mid-1800s, uh, saw the same power that history gives us strength and hope. Uh, Theodore Parker actually was one of the most important of the intellectual mentors of Dr. King, and he also was a very important intellectual mentor for Abraham Lincoln. In fact, the expression of the people, by the people, and for the people came originally from Reverend Parker. Abraham Lincoln made it much more elegant in his speech, but he was in contact with Parker constantly as they struggled to understand where to take the nation in those very dark times of the Civil War. Rob and Jan Eller Isaac, some of you know, are the co-ministers at our sister church in St. Paul at Unity. For my birthday in December, they gave me Gary Will's amazing Pulitzer Prize-winning masterpiece, Lincoln at Gettysburg, The Words That Remade America. And it's a masterful book in laying out this kind of cultural and political and the social context of Lincoln's speech at Gettysburg, which also was the same time as the founding of our church. And he uses it as a chance to really describe what Lincoln was trying to do with that short speech. Lincoln was there at Gettysburg to dedicate a cemetery that was also part of that rural cemetery movement that Lakewood was part of. That was the task of that day. But he knew that millions of people would be watching and that it was an opportunity for him to address a nation that was despondent, despairing. The war was not going well. The brutal slaughter on the battlefield was, was horrific. And the nation needed a new way to understand its mission if it was going to carry forward and eventually be successful in that battle, in that war, in that defense of the experiment of self-governance, of liberty and justice for all. So he took that opportunity of that dedication of that cemetery to reach back into the founding of this nation and the Declaration of Independence and to put forward to the nation that that battle and those who died there were for the defense of freedom and equality, that it was to defend the revolutionary ideas of self-governance, of liberty and justice for all. He reached back and lifted up and helped the nation to see that this war was a war to make sure that this government of the people and by the people and for the people would not perish. And he did it in a way that transformed our nation's understanding of itself, of how and why we were founded and created. And he provided then the moral underpinnings for Dr. Martin Luther King's civil rights movement and all the civil rights movements who've come behind them. That is our moral duty as a nation because it is the principles on which we were founded, justice and equality for all. Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln had some commonalities in their struggles in what they had to overcome. Both of them had to say to the nation that we had failed, that we had been 
not honorable, that we had not lived up to the promises made by the founders of this nation and by the dedicated values that we said we would live by. Both of them had to say to the nation, we had failed. Both of them then had to convince millions of people to sacrifice and give of themselves to address those failures. Lincoln had to convince millions to fight on terrible battlefields in in a terrible war to actually address those failures. Martin Luther King had to address millions to convince those of us in this day and age to give up privilege, to give up a perceived advantage of all white voting, to really make a sacrifice so that that failure to live up to those promissory notes could be addressed. Both of them were magnificent in their words and in their speeches. Lincoln reached backwards into the Declaration and the founding documents. Dr. King reached forward with his dreams, sharing his dreams of a time when we would be judged by our character, not our color, by a time when children of all races would sit down and play together. He reached forward for that dream and in doing so was able to change fundamentally our nation and build upon what Abraham Lincoln had done there at Gettysburg in dedicating that cemetery in that battleground. This opportunity to use uh, anniversaries and birthdays to reflect on where we are is an opportunity to see how we're doing now and also where we're going in the future. This coming year, there will be other important birthdays and opportunities like the one we'll have this week with Dr. King's birthday. For example, for our state, this year in May, May 11th, is Statehood Day, it will be the 150th anniversary of the founding of the statehood of Minnesota. It's be an opportunity, there'll be things going on to know more about the history, to see some of the different things in our state, in our government, but also it will be an opportunity to take a moment and reflect on the gifts that we've received as just being citizens and residents of this state the magnificent schools and parks and roads and all the things that have been given to us that are physical things that are gifts to our generation and to generations forward. It's also a chance to look at some of the uh, social things that we've inherited, the kind of community spirit and the civic engagement that we have. And it's a chance to also reflect on some of the ideas that we've inherited. Minnesota's a place that's known where people care about the common good where people care about the society and community, where people really are committed to working together. We've inherited some amazing things as part of our state, but we also then inherit responsibilities for making sure that we're maintaining those and for thinking about what our investment into the future should be, what gifts should we be leaving so that future generations have the same opportunities and possibilities that we've had. It's kind of an interesting time in our state to be looking at these questions with all the different issues around the bridge and school funding and all of this. And for me, every day I'm thinking about it because I look out my window at one of the most beautiful buildings in this country, the state capitol. It's an amazing place. It was a gift to us from returning Civil War veterans. Not all the veterans came back. Many were lost on battlefields. But those who came back to Minnesota were dedicated to making this a very special place. 
And they built that amazing state capital as a way to say, these are our visions of the future, and this is our way of honoring the sacrifices made in the Civil War. And for saying out loud, we are going to give all of our lives to making this place special and leaving it for future generations so they can enjoy the same opportunities, the same possibilities that they had. It's an amazing building with one of the, it's one of four buildings on the planet with a marble dome. But as beautiful as it is, that dome is leaking. As magnificent as it is to look at, it is a fire trap and it has many things unsafe inside of it. What have we been doing in our opportunity and responsibility to maintain the gifts is a question that needs to be asked in terms of that state capital. Right now, we're in the middle of, of a debate about even who should pay for the repair and the maintenance of the roof of the state capitol. Should we dig into our pockets now and fix the roof, or should it be bonded so that future generations pay to fix the roof? Certainly, bonding and capital investments are things we do over time. But when you have a roof that's leaking, do you ask your children, their children, their children's children to fix it, or do we do as our parents and grandparents and elders and others have done and dig into our pockets and repair the roof? I'm not happy that we're even talking about what are our responsibilities for maintenance or maintaining the gifts that we've been given. I'm really interested in the conversation about how are we going to invest for future generations. We don't seem to be very far down the road of that conversation. So perhaps in this 150th year of our state, We'll have a chance to not just look at how we're doing on maintaining the gifts that we've been granted. We'll actually take it as a chance to talk about our opportunities to invest for the future, for our children, and for those times that we will never see. Our church's 150th is similarly a chance to look at how we're doing in regards to our honoring, our understanding, and our maintenance of the gifts we've received. Lakewood Cemetery, this church, and many other things came out of our original founders. People who came behind them sustained our congregation, built a community, a spiritual community of faith. And also they carried forward ideas of liberty, religious freedom, justice, peace. These are the gifts that we have received that we have a chance this coming year to remember, to acknowledge, to reflect on. We also have a chance to reflect on how we're doing of maintaining those gifts, the physical gifts the social gifts, the gifts of the ideas, and to think about and to plan how we are going to invest for the future as well. It will be an amazing opportunity from my point of view. I've had a small chance this year participating on the sesquicentennial committee to do something that I hope all of you will get a chance to do in this next year, and that's to get to know much deeper and much um, in a more sophisticated and a more complete way a lot of the amazing people that have sustained this church as members and active participants over the last 150 years. People like John and Drew Cummins. Some of you know John and Drew and many of you do not, but they came 45 years ago, 1963. John as our minister, where, where he served us till he so-called retired in 1986. And Drew served our church and our denomination at the local, the national and international level, heading the federation of uh, UU women and sitting as a trustee on the Unitarian Universalist Association. 
They helped lift our church into an active participation in the civil rights movement. John went to Selma and marched with Dr. King in 1964. They helped our church get active and really directly involved in the struggle for social justice in creating a broader awareness in our community. They were part of those people who in this church have not only helped build and maintain the physical part of our gifts, but also the social part, the community part, and the ideas. John and Drew's voice for freedom, for liberty, for justice, have been strong and powerful, and they are part of the gifts that we have inherited that in this next year we'll be able to remember and honor, but also to think about how we will be carrying them forward. Sometime in this next year, take a chance to go and walk through Lakewood Cemetery if you've never done it. You can go before or after church sometime or Memorial Day. There's an incredible Memorial Day ceremony there. It's beautiful with amazing trees. Sometimes you'll see eagles soaring above. There's a family of foxes that sun themselves, and sometimes you'll be able to see them. But it's a chance to really remember the gifts of prior generations, the gifts of visionary people, those who founded this church in Lakewood and others, and the importance of those gifts to us today. You can walk along and you can see the memorials of some of the most important civil rights leaders in this nation. Hubert Humphrey, Paul Wellstone, Sheila Wellstone. Humphrey's memorial has some great quotes that remind us of how we're connected together in our struggles. And Paul and Sheila's simple, powerful memorial is a very strong reminder that we need to be thinking about what we're going to do to carry forward the work of social justice and for peace. Nancy and I often walk by those memorials on the way to visit our daughter Rachel's gravesite, who was killed seven years ago by a drunk driver. Rachel was a radical anti-racist, as Nancy once described her here in this church, and she was someone who was very dear and precious to all of us. And it was the gift of the founders and sustainers of this church who gave us this physical sanctuary that made it possible to gather with nearly a thousand of our friends and family to honor her life and to mourn her death that week after she was killed. It was the social gift of the founders and sustainers of this church that gave us this spiritual community that held us together and held us in love in that terrible time. It was the gift of the founders and and the early people of this church who created Lakewood who gave us a place, a beautiful place to lay Rachel to rest and to walk now and to reflect and to remember and to be healed and comforted by that natural beauty. Those gifts that we've received from those who come before us, the physical gifts, the social gifts, the ideas, are the things that sustain us. And they sustain us in good times, but especially in bad times. For me, I'm aware that it's also this community that helps hold us up and give us the courage to say yes when we need to say yes to a challenge, when we need to say yes to an opportunity or to a problem. Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Martin Luther King, they were great people, but they were ordinary people who answered the call of special service and special responsibility. John and Drew Cummings were special people, but also ordinary people who answered the call. And many of you here today, you're special people and you're ordinary people, and you say yes when you're asked, when you're called 
to give leadership or to tackle problems or to put your life on the line for justice. We have an opportunity and each day we'll have more opportunities because we're going to be asked over and over to say yes, to take responsibility, to say yes, to try to make good on the promissory notes of liberty and justice for all. I know that it's this church community that will lift us, hold us, and give us the courage. This morning, I want to thank you, all of you who make up this community, this spiritual home, because you're the ones who give me the courage to go on, the strength to say yes when asked to lead, the strength to keep moving forward when the difficulties seem hard. I know that's one of the real gifts of all who've come before us in this church is that we've built a spiritual community that helps all of us say yes in the difficult times, to say yes when we're asked to lead, to say yes when we're asked to invest in the future. Abraham Lincoln and Dr. King are gone, but John and Drew Cummins are still here, and we're all here together. Together, we can help each other to have the courage to say yes. For times we shall never see, we have that opportunity now, we'll have that opportunity again, and I know we're going to help each other to say yes to that future. Thank you very much. Please join us in singing Circle Round for Freedom twice. <laughs>